Hello, welcome to Basic Niches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And today we are discussing Chapter 14 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Percy, Percy and Padfoot. What, what's yeah. good in the neighborhood? Oh, uh, well, I'm drinking this high noon. Yeah. We just recorded the episode with Ashley. Um, this is our final 2021 episode that we are recording. Probably. We'll, just in case. we. I don't want to be wrong 100%. Oh, but, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it is. But yeah, he's pretty sure. Yes. Okay. We do have, obviously, another episode. Because I think the next episode might be... I don't know. We're all something out of special. order. It's, just, I think just it is stick around and, and yes it is something special in fact I think that we had said in a previous episode that we were going to be recording something special but that's not true because putting these things in order is apparently a struggle so if you thought that this was going to be the Christmas episode it's not Christmas next week is Christmas so that's when you'll get that episode hooray we're kind of a mess always we, we record when we can and these special episodes do break things up so so today we're, we're talking about this. It's a normal, regular chapter. Yes. So if you're look, are looking for something fun, well, listen up, because every one of our episodes is fun. Hell yeah, it is. But next week it will be something different. Despite always consistently fucking things up, we do still have six patrons who continue to support us regardless. And those people are Nisi, Ashley, Brittany, Olivia, Marybeth, and Brian. Thank you again. If you want to be added to that list, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash basic snitches. It's only three bucks a month and we recognize you in every single episode and you get exclusive content every single week. This week we play a new game and honestly, this is maybe one of my favorite Patreon exclusives ever. So if you're going to join, now's a great time and it can be a Christmas present to us. So before we talk about chapter 14, real quick, just want to do a winner loser for chapter 13. Uh-huh. I forget what happened as usual. Chapter oh. 13. Yeah. I know Harry is tortured. <laughs> Can so, I guess? Can I guess? Okay. Who's the loser of chapter 13? It better be Professor Umbridge. It's Pink Bitch. Yeah. Do you know who the winner of chapter 13 is? Ron? It's Ron. Yeah. I really just cheer hard for Ron when Me he too. gets these moments. And Ron wanted it so bad and like he got the thing he wanted and that makes me happy for him. Solid. I do think I'm getting better at kind of guessing, but that one was a little bit more obvious. Yeah. Chapter 14, you wrote a thing. I sure did. So, um, y'all, sit back and listen. I don't know why I'm talking like this. Sit back and listen to what happens in chapter 14. Are you going to do the whole thing in that accent? Would you like me to? Would you like us to do this entire episode in this accent? No, I cannot do the entire episode. Tara and I are Southern Bales. Adam is a Southern Belle. What are you? I'm a bitch. <laughs> are, you, are you a Yankee? What do you want me to do? Yankee like a New York? Dude? I can't. I can't do a New York accent. What's the opposite of a Southern Belle? A Northern. I got nothing. I don't know either. I, I don't was know. Gonna say, what's the opposite of a bell? Like a ding dong bell. <laughs> a siren. A siren. A Northern siren. I am a Northern yeah, siren. Yeah, when I look at Tara, the first word that comes to mind is siren. <laughs> well, Adam is really working on building up my self esteem today. What did you call me earlier? I don't know. Something very offensive, probably. <laughs> okay. A thing for Tara. Coming off a rough week, it's the weekend. As I'm writing this, yeah, I can relate, because it's a pretty nice start to the weekend, all things considered. Harry wakes up, and it's a beautiful day. 
He writes a carefully worded letter to Sirius, then takes it to the Owl Ring where he has a wonderful interaction with Quen Cho and an adverse reaction to opposite of Quen Filch. Dear listeners, we need a word for someone that is the opposite of Quen. Write in and give us recommendations. Basicsnitches at gmail.com. Oh, also Harry sees a festival. Harry is cheerful at breakfast where he and Ron determine to squander the day by practicing Squidditch instead of focusing on homework. And Hermione sees some unfortunate bits of news in the Daily Prophet. There's allegedly been a serious sighting and Sturgis Podmore is an Azkaban, which is estimated to be and likely could be a setup because as we learn later, the ministry bullshit is getting worse. Quidditch practice doesn't go super smoothly and the Slytherin prefects have nothing better to do. So instead of focusing on homework that evening, Harry and Ron brood. The next day, however, is all homework until the end of the day when we get an owl from Percy that shows how cult DP is. Surprisingly, he's sucking Umbridge off. I wouldn't think she was his type. Must be her meaty hands. And then we get an equally flaming message from Sirius, who honestly doesn't give a ton of helpful information other than Umbridge is a bitch. Yeah, we know, Sirius. And then he pouts because Harry doesn't want him to come to visit because it's too dangerous. Sirius, grow hair. For real. Yeah, there's a lot of moodiness, I think, in this chapter. Which, here's the thing. Can you blame the world? And the, like, it's, these, these have been some moody chapters. Moody isn't even the main dude in this book. But this does open up a little bit more bright and happy, which I'm like, thank God, man. After the last two. This, by the way, is not at all in the movie. So we didn't watch the movie before we did this. And we're not going to talk about the movie. Because oh. Percy ain't in the movie. He uh, is, but he's not. He's, he's there. A, he's omnipotent. He's just there. Percy's always there. Peering through that glory hole. Waiting for the dick to come. So yeah, Harry wakes up and he's like, woohoo, it's a nice day. <laughs> That's actually exactly what it says. He's like, wow, this week sucked. Woohoo, it's a nice day. It is a nice day. It too. is. But no, actually, he spends forever to write a fucking letter. He doesn't want to put anything important in the letter, but he wants to write to Sirius. So he spends like an hour agonizing over this letter, Mm -hmm. which I think he does a pretty good job at. I do too. I think it's ironic that he's like, ah, it is the weekend. Time to wake up early and get started on homework. Just kidding. I need to write a letter. (laughs) I appreciate that he is really considering his words here. He finally understands. He's like, ah, this is why like nobody wrote to me when I was living at the dish rags. Because, oh my God, this is hard. So, So that's good. Um, speaking of the beautiful day, though, the way that it's described with, like, the sliver of sunlight, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's so nice. I really like it. <laughs> I'm not even a morning person. But he, like, goes in the calm room, he's got his nice favorite armchair, yeah. and the sunlight, and he writes it's a so letter. Crazy. There are some days where I will wake up early, and if I'm in the right mood, it feels like this. It's quiet, it's peaceful. It feels almost refreshing. It's almost like after the last couple days, a rainbow after the storm, if you will. Yeah. And that's the apropos, because speaking of the rainbow, Percy's in this chapter, so. Fucking Percy. Yes, but we're not there yet. No, we gotta have happy stuff first. So after he writes the letter, he runs into Sir Nicholas on the way to the Owlry. Sir Nicholas is like, don't go that way. Peeves is there. Yes, it's like, thank you. And then he also shushes Harry, as he does. Just kidding, he doesn't, but that's what he did last time. So. Yeah, he's like, um, sh- Harry. <laughs> he, he, yeah, Harry's like, thanks, ish. And then he just, like, floats off. It's like, rude. Sir Nicholas is, like, the hall monitor that we maybe needed. Yeah, which we absolutely we, needed. Like, honestly. we needed a hall monitor, but no one else is doing this shit. He's doing all the work, and he's a fucking ghost. Yeah, I've talked in the past about You can't be dead like, in peace. I've talked in the past about how there are probably uses for the ghosts. 
if you really think about it, that they don't really apply. But in this case, you kind of see that. If you have these ghosts up in your castle, why not utilize them? Right. Well, maybe they try to, and the other ghosts are like, I ain't fucking doing that. I'm a fucking ghost. You're the I, boss of me. I'm not alive anymore. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Like, clearly the Bloody Baron r- runs the place. Yeah, which I appreciate that Sir Nicholas is like, I'm going to go get the Bloody Baron. He'll put a stop to this. I like right. that, too. Yeah. These ghosts are working together. And that's some Slytherin and Gryffindor cooperation. Right. Which is nice, because something else that happens in this chapter. <laughs> so when he makes it to the Owlery, he sends this thing, and Cho comes. Cho comes. And this is another reason why I'm like, oh, finally, like, there's some positivity here. This interaction with Cho is really great. Mm-hmm. And then Anti-Quen comes in, mm-hmm. and he'd be like, you uh, ordering dumb bombs? What the hell? First of all, how did Mrs. Norris tell you that? I want to know. Second of all, no, I'm not. But I just love how Cho takes control. She's just like, nice. Well, whatever he had, he's not it. Sorry, bitch. Yeah, Cho gets angry, and I'm like, yeah, pop off, Cho. Also, why is that the first thing that comes to mind? When I was reading this, it was like, is this almost like a precursor to the Inquisitorial Squad? So this has always been unclear to me, and maybe anyone listening can clarify this better for us. I believe that it's mentioned later that someone told Phil Cherry was ordering dung bombs, and it wouldn't have been Mrs. Norris. She wouldn't be able to be that specific, but I think that Umbridge uses this as a tactic to, like, read Harry's mail before he sends it. Because whatever Harry sent with Hedwig, I think probably makes it to Sirius all okay. Because later on in the book, she does get attacked, and her letter, I think, is from Sirius. Oh, like, physically attacked? Yeah. Yeah, when Hedwig gets attacked later in the book... Oh, when Hedwig gets Yeah, attacked. when I Harry's getting receiving a letter, someone clearly read that letter. I wonder if it leaving the Allory safely means that it made it out of Hogwarts and out of the people who would be reading his mail. Let's say it is Umbridge. It's possible that Umbridge has already gotten to feel shit up and she's like, hey, intercept Harry's, Yeah, Harry's sending a letter. I want to fucking know what it says. That is a federal offense in the U.S. I know this is in Scotland, but <laughs> I'm sure it's probably not... It's not okay. Okay there either, yeah. So I don't care that he's a fucking minor. He's not your child to get the fuck out. Also, calm the fuck down, man. You're already walking around with your dick out, Dolores. The other thing I noticed reading this, again, this is like, uh, why is Filch in any kind of position in the school? He is just like, oh, well, I'm watching you. He doesn't discipline them. In other cases, people are all the time getting in trouble for shit that people only assume they do. He doesn't discipline Harry. He doesn't discipline Cho for talking back, which is shocking. Hell yes. Well, that he can't, because I don't think he yeah, can. I don't think, that's what I was going to say. I don't think that he has the power to do that. I mean, Which is why is he the person that gets sent after them? I just don't understand. The fact that he's the janitor, yeah. I almost feel is like Is it because he, he likes to be rude to children? Maybe that's it. I mean, maybe. It's something that he Or he's like, he's to. like, I volunteer as tribute. I will be the person who yells at the children for doing the bad things. I think it's something he puts onto himself. This? Absolutely. Seems like in the past he's had his eyes out for this stuff, and then he, like, reports it, or there's something there. It feels like he's taking more of an active role, and of course that will continue to be a thing. You're coming soon. It's almost like he hasn't really had the permission to do it, and now he's gonna get it, and of course he's gonna abuse it. It's a weird little thing to include in here, but I think that is just a precursor of things to come. Along with, and again, we're not there yet, but like when Percy keeps saying, like, check the Daily Prophet tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. He goes to breakfast, he gets his bacon and eggs. I appreciate that that is what Harry has for breakfast, because that is my favorite breakfast. It is lovely. And he's been in a very good mood. Yeah, he's, he's very cheerful. His girlfriend. Typical kind of breakfast stuff. 
they do get the Daily Prophet. Hermione gets those two pieces of news, which are both kind of unfortunate. The serious one, I don't necessarily think it's unfortunate. I'm like, well, it was bound to kind of happen. We saw the how this went. You fucking went to King's Cross Station as a dog. So. Yeah. And I even said, I think when Draco says the thing about, like, the dog comment or whatever, mm-hmm. raw dogging or whatever the case may be, I was like, I think that might be overthinking. But in this case, it's like, okay, maybe not. And the Sturgis Podmore one, now that's the one that I'm like, okay, it feels like there's more there. And even when I was reading it, I was like, Ron's theory isn't that off base. Like, I can totally see it. And then Hermione agreed with me. And I was like, okay, so maybe it is. (laughs) I'm in that inference. I think that it's interesting that Hermione doesn't remember Podmore was supposed to be with them when they came to school. That Harry's Mm -hmm. the one that remembers that. But he doesn't remember anything else. And she remembers everything. So I was like, that's very interesting that that's the thing that he knows. That was a chaotic day, too. So it's it's likely that... Some of them got bits and pieces of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that because with all the other books, we've talked a little bit more about does this fit more in like an adventure bucket or in a mystery bucket? And we haven't really talked about that in, with this book yet. That whole thing of like certain people getting bits and pieces of the story reminds me of a mystery, but I don't think this is a mystery. No, I think that this is very much, if it's either of those things, is more of an adventure. I agree. I don't necessarily know if it is. I mean, it's a whole different thing on its own. I agree. I don't necessarily even know how I would categorize it. But as we get into it, I know more things will kind of unfold. In terms of adventure, what I really think of is the sneaky adventureness of doing Dumbledore's army and having to kind of keep that on the down low. And even like when they actually go to the ministry at the end of the book, some Mm -hmm. of those have some adventure elements, but it does feel a lot more different than the first four books in terms of its path. There's also this underlying thriller element to this book Mm -hmm. in a different way that there's an underlying thriller element to the sixth book. Yes. There are two villains. And it's established pretty early on and pretty clearly that they're not working together. So Harry has enemies from two sides. And one is this distant threat that could be here at any minute, which is Voldemort. And the other is this very present, continual threat of Umbridge. What is she going to do next? How is she going to make this worse for the children? That is happening through the whole book. And Harry is being torn down further and further and further, which is making him more vulnerable to Voldemort. His fucking plan works. He lays low because people don't believe he's back. It's a fascinating way that these two separate villains are not working together. I mean, I think, honestly, the bullshit that Harry comes into at the end of the year, his choice was incorrect, obviously, but at the same time, like, look at what he's been through this year. Thriller is a bad way to describe it. I'm not sure what it is. I like that description. It's almost like suspense. Yeah. But maybe but like it's a not in your face. It's like, how is this going to come out? Because, like, Goblet of Fire is so active. Prisoner of Azkaban is very much like a, we have to understand a lot of things because of Prisoner of Azkaban. And the first two books are very much that mystery happening, mm-hmm. you know? It is almost a little bit more of like a rebirth of the world building because things are different now too. Like that's the thing. There's been this big shift that kind of takes it out of that whole like mystery or adventure thing. Speaking of, I would also go so far to say book four does have the mystery elements of who put his name in the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
so it is kind of interesting that some of these elements are giving me that mystery feel because it's not necessarily oh there is a thing that happened who done it it's more of things are different now unlike we've ever seen yeah and here are some of those elements that contribute to it. Now, of course, after breakfast, Hermione's like, today's a great day to do your homework. And uh, they're like, like no, no, we're going to go outside. Today's a great day to be on our brooms. Yes. And they're on their brooms all fucking day. You know, they have their little practice session. It was cute and everything. But then, of course, they have the first practice session with Ron. Well, and you see Harry and Ron working before everyone gets there. Mm-hmm. And then when they actually have practice, Ron is so easily influenced by his surroundings. Mm-hmm. Which sucks because he's actually pretty good. What mm-hmm. I wrote down is why the fuck do the Slytherin prefects have nothing better to do? For real. Week? But also Fred and George, maybe. This That's is exactly what I wrote Yes, Please harass your brother. That's your job as brothers. But do you want to win? You are not stupid. You can see that yeah. you affect his playing. And guess what? He's your keeper now. Yeah. So fucking stop being assholes. You are now on a team with him. I mean, literally, it's the Quidditch team. But you have to work as a team for a life goal. And- Fred and George are pretty not committed to Quidditch in this book, which... You know. They're not really committed to much. Well, I mean, they also don't play business. footage for very long in this book. Yeah. So it's a very frustrating thing that they come into this practice and they're not committed really to Quidditch, but they're very much committed to harassing their brother. Yeah. And then you have the fucking Slytherins. Yeah. Obviously, I noted in my notes was the Slytherins. And spoiler alert, I don't take points away from Fred and George, but Fred and George are kind of almost worse because they're the controlled substance here. We know that they could control themselves for this team camaraderie, but they don't. Whereas the Slytherins, it, it is kind of like, okay, they're there. We know it's there. Should they be there? Absolutely not. Do we hate them? Yes. <laughs> But it's almost worse that the twins could control themselves for this. Yeah, no, it's very frustrating. I hate that a lot. It makes me really mad. Can we talk about how the Slytherins continue to be terrible bullies? Yes. The thing about, like, Angelina's hair. suck, first of all. And then, um, they're racist. Really? That is okay for you to say? I mean, in thinking about the time that this book was written, Angelina choosing to ignore that and mm. not be like, you're a fucking bitch. I'm definitely going to go to McGonagall about this, and this is unacceptable, and we have the entire team that can vouch for this, and also McGonagall is not an idiot. She doesn't do that because that's not what women did. That's not what black women did. or And she's like a black woman who is the team captain, mm-hmm. and she has to handle all these douchebag boys on her team. She Really, she only has Ron, who's falling apart, Harry, who's generally pretty okay to work with, and then the twins being assholes. Yeah. But this is her first practice as captain, yeah. this is very stressful, and she's got these assholes over here who, who are being racist. That, that oh, we have Saturday afternoon free. We're going to go do this. Why is Madame Hooch not being like, the Gryffindors have the Quidditch pitch today. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Taking a fucking nap. So that's all unfortunate. I mean, it's practice. What are you going to do? It's scheduled for then. Because then afterwards, it's like, okay, we were going to do our homework, but they're all up in their feelings so much that they can't focus on their homework they're so frustrated which i feel like under different circumstances it's been a really rough start of the year all things considered in other situations they would be able to put their feelings aside and buckle down i think and unfortunately they don't well and then this is where the letter comes ron says it best ron says it best 
And you know what? Ron is the right person to say it best. Harry can't imagine taking it any other way. As This is ridiculous. I've shared a tent with Percy. We were friends for four years. Yeah. And I've known him. And like just the idea of someone, maybe not a close one, but Harry kind of was probably thinking of as a brother anyway. Yeah. Like being like, actually stay the fuck away from Harry Potter. He's bad. Hermione, who's just like, I gotta find the right thing to say because that's what Hermione does. She's like, I gotta say it right. And then Ron's like, he is the fucking worst. Actually, Harry's whole monologue where he goes through this, like, remembering Percy before he became a raging asshole. Yeah. You talked about a few chapters ago in terms of when it first happened and, like, what Harry must be thinking and how he relates to Percy. It's exactly, basically, what his inner monologue is here. To be clear, Tara touched on it too, but when I say Ron said it best, at the very end of the letter... Because even when I was reading it, it was like, okay, well, what's Ron going to do? Well, we know what Ron's going to do. Like, Ron is very, very loyal. And then Ron says something, what an absolute get. He says, this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire series, is Harry trying to make the joke. And he goes, well, trying to sound as though he found the whole thing a joke. If you want to, uh, what is it? He checked Percy's letter. Oh, yeah, sever ties with me. I swear I won't get violent. Give it back, said Ron, holding out his hand. He is, Ron said jerkily, tearing Percy's letter in half. The world's, he tore it into quarters. Biggest, he tore it into eights. Get. He threw the pieces into the fire. He is just like, no, fuck him. It's a completely crazy and brilliant contrast to Percy, who's like, fuck my family, because we're not on the same page, and they're being looked down upon by the ministry, and I need to get ahead in the ministry. And Ron is like, fuck this person who is my family member because he's wrong. It's a really, really strong wrong. I mean, for sure. And he's had a lot already. When I was reading it, I'm like, seriously, you heard through the grapevine that Ron is a prefect. So you use that as the opportunity to reach out. Yes. And so bullshit gross. his best friend. Also, it's not like Ron like applied. We already established right. that Dumbledore just picks and chooses who he wants. So that means nothing. And you are bad-mouthing Dumbledore, the person who gave him the prefect badge. Well, I think Percy's literally like, oh, I have an in with someone. Because Percy's, what, 20? He's young. There's no way Percy has the complete character arc that he has without still having some of that guilt. I miss my family. In spite of the fact that he feels as though they are not living up to his expectations of them. Like, that, those two things can exist at the same time. Ron is his in. Maybe Ron is not like Fred and George. And maybe he's not hanging out with Harry as much. But Harry's already been around the families. He maybe thinks that this can be his in with a person in the family, like an ally within the family. Percy's probably very desperate for that, and he is too prideful to just turn around and be like, I'm sorry, we're just not seeing eye to eye on this stuff. My career is very important to me. Like, that's not how Percy is functioning. Percy is, like, black and white here. Yeah, my, you know? my way of the highway. Exactly. like, and so a I, for me to shuck in there a little Yeah, bit. and I feel like Ron was maybe, he was thinking, like, his, like, little niche in there. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe I can. But obviously, he does not know Ron, which we've known from the beginning. Yeah, well, I almost kind of even think, like, had Ron actually heeded this advice and ostracized Harry. He also apparently doesn't know his mom very well because over the last few years the way that Molly has become like a mother figure to Harry right of course he's gotta know that they took him in and all of this he obviously wrote about Arthur taking him to the hearing right and this if Terry's still been taken under their wing and Ron no longer wants to be friends with him like that also is a very weird awkward dynamic too I mean we could go on and on about like what that would kind of look like but I think overall the way that Ron reacts is just it's perfect 
And of course, the whole purpose behind this, I don't think, is to show like, oh, look, person an asshole, because we already kind of knew that. It's all these little pieces in there. Oh, Dolores Jane Umbridge is a lovely woman. Wait until you see what's in the Daily Prophet. All Percy that. likes to know things and talk about how he knows things. Yeah. We saw a lot of that in the fourth book when he was like, when they're at dinner or whatever, before they go to the Quidditch World Cup or afterward, and he was like, well, what about that super secret thing at Hogwarts happening that we can't talk about, but I need everyone to know that I know about it. That's the kind of person Percy is. He has to feel important, which is, a, you know, it's a very human thing. And I think this is just more. He's like, mm, I know something you don't know, but I'm going to hint at it because it makes me feel important. That's a good point that he is always that person who's like, I have a secret. And he'll like rub it in people's faces. They finish up the letter. Then they start doing some homework. They are finally doing their homework and stuff. And Hermione is starting to help them out a little bit here and there. But that's when he notices what looks like Sirius's face in the fire. And we got have some firehead Firehead conversations happening. Part two, baby. And then Hermione's like, what the fuck? You didn't tell us you wrote to Sirius? And he's like, I forgot. And honestly, Honestly, like... Look at what his day has been. Yeah, his and also weekend. the way she reacted, like, had he told her he'd written a series, she'd been like, mm, mm, you can't write that. Throwing caution to the wind too much that he would have not been able to send the yeah. letter. And luckily, in this case, it blew over pretty fine. I get where Harry is coming from in this instance because it was something along the lines of, oh, you gotta go tell Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I think of the scene in the movie that isn't really great. So his first thought is, let me reach out to Sirius. And I even mentioned in that episode that it is almost like a callback to what happened in the last book and movie. Well, I can't really talk to Dumbledore, so let me go talk to Sirius. It, and it's that whole thing again. Because some of the stuff that Sirius brings up, that is, I think, more important is in the way that Sirius reacts to them. Mm-hmm. Like when he's like, let me come out to Hogsmeade the next time you're out. And they're both of them. Are like, no. Yeah. And then he sulks and he's like, well, James would have thought it would have been fun. And then he goes away and it's like, come on, Sirius. You're supposed to be an adult in this situation. I get your background that you haven't really had a chance to really grow up at all. Other than that. I think one of the least likable things about Sirius is when he expects Harry to be like his father. Because Harry has two parents. Mm-hmm. And honestly, everyone who really knew both of his parents really knew them, not perceived that they knew them like Snape, they know Harry is much more like his mother. Oh, he's good at Quidditch and he can be a bit cocky and overly confident. But not overly confident in any way but Quidditch. Honestly, like, I feel like his cockiness and his confidence do not mesh. Probably different than how James would have been because James wasn't living his life in fear that a fucking evil wizard was gonna burst into the classroom and murder him. Yes, Voldemort's out there, but you're at Hogwarts being head boy and taking classes and Voldemort hadn't penetrated the security of Hogwarts there. This time around is different. When people compare Harry to his father so often, I'm like, look at their backgrounds. Look at how they react to things. And then look at what you know about Lily. Harry is much more like his mother. So serious, don't come in here and be like, you should be like your dad. I agree with all of that 100%. The one thing I will add is even if he is like Lily or like James in certain situations, Mm -hmm. he's still his own person. He's been through a lot more than his parents had to go through by this time. And not to diminish what they went through, but when they were going through it, they were very young. It was a different time. Boom, Voldy finds out about the prophecy. James and Lily become targets, and then they go into hiding, and then they die. Not that hiding wasn't stressful, not that the process of having to do all that wasn't stressful and worrying about their infant child. Whole different circumstances. Yeah. There are some other things that he says, but to me, what he does and how he reacts, that kind of 
blew up a little bit more. The only two other things I really have to say about what he says and reading about the chapter, the first one being ex- another thing that you had said in one of our previous episodes in that Budge thinks that Dumbledore is putting this army together, which when you read it on the page... They even say, like, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous for a government official to think that about somebody running a school. That is, like, some... Crazy-ass really paranoia. weird... That's some cue shit, honestly. We gotta wonder why you would think that. Again, it's a pride thing, almost, you know? Oh, well, he's the worst. And then, actually, speaking of pride, sort of, he does mention that Umbridge put in this, like, anti-werewolf legislation. Mm-hmm. And literally what I wrote down is that an arrow to LGBTQ+, to people who put these anti-gay legislations mm-hmm. out there and diminish that person's life without looking at it as... Which is always how you should, I think, approach things that it's people. It's people in their lives. Like, it's not... Yeah, Absolutely. Like, you are making things worse for other people just so that you can judge other people more freely based on some bullshit principles that you follow because of XYZ. I know that all of our listeners probably agree with that for the hopefully. But yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to kind of see in here considering who the author is, but that's exactly what it made me think of. I mean, also, if you're listening to this, you're listening to a couple of queer people talk about Harry Potter and you don't agree with that, maybe this is the wrong podcast for yeah, you. Yeah, seriously. So, just saying. It's very interesting that Sirius knows all this about Umbridge, which means this is information that he's learned from what we've learned from Lupin, probably from Kingsley, Arthur, Moody, Tonks, and people who were at the ministry. This is clearly not unknown information Mm -hmm. that this woman is very problematic, but the powers that be are like fine with this bitch being in charge because they're also problematic fuckers. Yeah. AKA Fudge Packer. What game you got for me? I have one trivia question for you. Oh. One very important trivia question. Is, is it would you rather? No, it's a trivia question. Is it it's just a trivia question? It's just one trivia question. So this, the name of this game is Trivia Question? Trivia Question! I need a better name. Alright, what's the trivia question? How many times in his letter does Percy mention Pink Bitch? Oh my god. Four. Oh my god! Yes! I See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew my shit. I read that letter so many times. Yes, he mentions her four times. I think all of them are about how she's wonderful and how she is the person to trust. I was reading the letter and I was like, how many fucking times are you going to mention this bitch? Stop talking about her. Like, I was so annoyed. And I'm like, I need something for this chapter. And I was going to do a would you rather... And then I was like, I really want to see if Adam can get that one right. But you did. I did. Yeah. Do you like my would you rather? Sure. Okay. Would you rather receive a letter from Filch every day or one letter from Umbridge right before you're about to go to bed after a long day? I mean, the Umbridge one, I guess, because it's one and I don't know how to read it. Oh, no. You have to read these letters. All of them. It's the only one letter. Throw it in the and fire. It's like, yeah, throw it in the fire. That's probably what I would do because most of my mail I look at and I rip it in half and throw it away immediately because it's all junk. So I have my mom set my mail on fire. And by that, I mean they have bonfires at their house, so they just burn it. Light a match and throw, throw it on my mail. <laughs> mom, I just light my mail on fire. Speaking of federal offense of like opening people's mail. No, I don't have her open it. I go to her house, I open it, and I go, I don't want this. Light it on fire. Oh, I hope you're not burning your bills. All my bills are electronic. Except for they'll send me shit, and I'm like, I, you sent me that in my fucking email. Am I not the only person that happens to? Yeah. 
Are you ready to talk about the movie? All right, so here's my points. Why am I looking at my phone? It's not on my phone. There were some cases for a lot of points here, and I honestly didn't really give a yeah, you don't You don't have to be super generous with points. It's okay. Yeah, like, I do think the trio could have gotten some points. There were some really good moments from all of them in this chapter. Not actually a ton from Hermione, but they worked together. Hermione was helpful. No points for any of them. I also could have taken points away from the twins, like I said, but I didn't. So let's start with who I'm giving points to. Plus 20 to Cho. Because she is like the queen. She is queen. And you know what? Originally I gave five to Sirius and only five because I said he would have gotten more if he wasn't flipping at the end. Mm -hmm. But he really didn't provide much. So I'm not going to give those five to him. So only 20 to Cho. That's it. That's it. If I'm not giving points to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and I'm not taking away from the twins, Sirius, you don't get points either. That was a waste of firehead powers. So then I'm taking points away. A lot. <laughs> sort of. I'm taking five away from Malfoy and Pansy. I'm sure I could have given more, but again, this is what they do. Did you really need to be there? You're wasting your own time, too, by the way. I hate them. I'm taking ten away from Filch, because <laughs> this is not part of your job. Oh, leave us alone. Yeah. Why are you, like, bustling up into the Owlery to figure out if someone is sending Mind something? Mind your business. Or, yeah. That is a federal offense. And then, of course, I'm taking 25 from Percy. Because that letter is bullshit. That letter is real rough. Yeah. So. Next time. Next time. As we were saying at the beginning of this episode, if in a previous episode we said next time will be a special Christmas gift that you're probably expecting. Well, that didn't happen this week, so it's happening next week. <laughs> so enjoy. Yeah, I hope I'm right about that. I think I am. We'll take a week off. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be back with chapter 15. 15. The Inquisitor. The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Yeah. So, and it'll AKA be 2022. So this is our last chapter episode of 2021. Yes. We did it. We did another year. This is fucking crazy. So when I export it out of Audacity and it says what year from now on, it's 2022 That's after nice. this. We got a lot more for you next year. Actually, we were just talking about scheduling out our next, I don't know, five different special guests. Right. So, because technically we're also right about a third through this book. I should even say a third through this season because we got a lot more special stuff for you. So enjoy our enjoy. lovely special episode next week. Happy holidays. Yes, enjoy. And happy New Year. And we'll see you first week of January again. Bye, snitches. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!